Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello. Hello. I'm and guilty. Of? Sorry, sorry, it came out a little bit too soon. Of pleasure. <gasps> Gross. Right. I'm growing hands on, fuck, I'm growing, what was it? You grow hair, hair on, on your, your hand, palms, palms of your hands. hands. Yes. Um, I have driven something that is a guilty pleasure and I feel good about it. And when I say guilty, let me just say this directly to the camera. I am not saying I'm guilty of breaking any traffic laws because I would never do such a thing. But I did some stupid. Very not, legal. Not stupid. No, no, no. Offensive shit in an offensive vehicle. And I had a lot of fun doing it. That's perfectly on brand for you actually damn it it was supposed to be a guilty pleasure (laughs) (laughs) instead it's just an extension of yourself um so yes this episode welcome to the carmudgeon show to the 103rd we think episode of the carmudgeon show part of the Haggerty podcast network presented by the jason camisa and me uh scott derek tam hyphen scott uh, and this episode is about some automotive guilty pleasures and then a whole bunch of other sort of random stuff that we happened to also talk about, including a rant against the BMW i3 oh, no. as the um, future of sustainability, which we never got, thankfully. Uh, and which is then, what it sounded like when the range extender was running. Yes. And apparently just dangerously undrivable also, when the range extenders going. They like to roll over. It was a very oh, aggressive perfect. roll mitigation. Anyway. Uh, so you know what in doesn't contrast like, right. to that is the Lucid Air, yes. uh, which is continuing. Uh, Lucid is continuing to sponsor us mm-hmm. for reasons which... Just don't ask. Okay. I'm not asking. Uh, yes. And so we all know about the Lucid Air, uh, which is the longest range, fastest charging luxury electric car in the world designed here in California and produced in Arizona. Uh, and Jason, who has literally uh, driven the tires off of, <laughs> the tires off of one and extolled its many virtues. Best EV sports sedan. Period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And faster than a Bugatti Veyron. Pour sport. Sorry. Quicker. Chiron. Quicker. Quicker. Faster. Chiron pour sport. Yes. Maybe we should do a rematch. Now that the, the Sapphire is in production. Oh. <coughs> Anyways. Go, can we okay, yes, right. Sorry. Uh, and of course, we the, the, the real reason is that we want to talk about this is that there are special lease and finance offers available on the 2023 models of the Lucid Air Touring and Grand Touring, which will allow buyers to get a new lease on electric, uh, which they can learn more about if they visit lucidmotors.com for details on the offer. Great. I suggest you all do that. Yes. I mean, I would if I could afford it, but... uh, Have Lucid keep sponsoring us and maybe we'll be able to afford it. Or maybe the lease offers really are that good. I don't know. You should check it out. Because maybe, just maybe, a large full-size luxury electric sedan would be your guilty pleasure. That's true. Yeah, well done. Okay, well, without further ado, uh, let's get this show on the road or off-road, potentially, given that you were driving a truck. Off on in Mexico. Yes. Off the road. Uh, 
so what's this episode about? You say that right after Paolo hits the record button? Well, first let me just say I'm exhausted. Um, because this week was uh, Revelations filming. And so by way of background, Revelations is shot in a studio that's only like 10 minutes from my house. So it's easy and convenient. And Anthony flies in from the East Coast. He lives, uh, he, it doesn't matter where he lives, flies in from the East Coast and he stays at my house while he's here. So we are like, once he touches down, it's 100% work 100% of the time. It's also hanging out with my best friend. So it's awesome. But however, it ended last night, well, technically 6.30 this morning when he left my house. I am exhausted uh, because those are those are very, very long days. Mm-hmm. We get up at six and we get home. Shoot at like days midnight. always are. So I feel like I've been hit on the head with a brick. Probably Were you as part of the shoot? I mean, you never know with one of your <laughs> episodes. We had a couple of fun moments. So this one was, I guess I can tell you guys because you're my friends. We did, we did Miata um, and we did uh, NSX, first in NSX. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fun because we did two, two NAs. Mm-hmm. I mean, the NA1 and, and NA1. NA1. <laughs> they were both, yes. they're both NA1s, um, mm-hmm. funny enough. Um, and they were like, ha ha, they're both the same color until you put them next to each other. And then the Miata is a deep red and the uh, NSX is a vibrant red. It's things you don't realize until you see them. Uh, but the Miata one was fun. We had uh, we had a special guest star of a Lotus Salon Series 2, also in red, which was one of the cars that um, that they had in the studio at Mazda as inspiration for the Miata. And it is obvious when you look at them side by side. Very much so. Except it takes a very special car to make a Miata look like a friggin' SUV. Mm-hmm. And it does look like a friggin' SUV. Did you drive the Elan? I did not. Oh. I really wanted to, but it wasn't running properly. Um, I think the owner... Have you driven one before? No. Ah. Uh-oh. Why? They're cool. It's a, it is a very uh, elemental, like, you couldn't take much out of that car and have it still be a car yeah. type of car. It's very delicate. You try the shifter? I did. That, I think, beats the Miata. I know. It's possibly the best shifter I've ever but felt. But also very obviously benchmarked. The position oh, of the yeah. center console yep. and, mm-hmm. and the shift action and the uh, throw, mm-hmm. very similar. Yeah, without question. I mean, it's bo- they're both right up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we wound up using the shifter, as a, the, the sound of the shifter as a, as a punctuation mark when we were recording. We'll see what, if it winds up in the edit. But like, it just got, does this bolt rifle, just yeah. um, amazing. Um, the owner, I think, is the coolest owner we've ever had. And that's a high bar because we've had some great owners of cars. But he just towed it here. We drove it in. He was like, it's not running right. Meanwhile, it sounded spectacular, just idling. Um, it's a twin cam with, twin cam with Webers. With Webers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, very, very, very nice car. Um, and, uh, and then we had a special guest person, Tom Matano, showed up, uh-huh. um, who is basically the one of the fathers of the Miata. It had many and still Not his very, mother was a whore. Um. <laughs> Everybody had a ride. Yeah. Uh, he is still very invested in the Miata community, yeah. very up, active, very enthusiastic. Showed up. We heard him from around the block. He's got quite the exhaust on his NA uh-huh. um, Miata, and he showed up. It's this beautiful blue with a gray interior, and he was, you know, he's a designer. So he's like, I wanted the blue to match my, uh, the interior to match my hair. And he pulls off his hat and he's all gray. And so he wanted a gray interior so it would match his gray hair. Um, you know, the story of the supposedly, I don't know. I mean, you, Tom, I guess would be the person to ask about this, the color, that shade of blue, uh, maritime blue or whatever. Is that this what wasn't it's maritime? This Mariner is the, blue. This is a 96 special edition. Oh, I see. Which he got because he wanted the gray interior. Ah, uh, 
the mariner blue, which is the early bright blue, mm-hmm. supposedly that color is um, to match the California blue license plate. That was the oh. inspiration for that color. Yeah. I've heard. I don't that's, know if that's true. We can ask him. Yeah, um, yeah but uh, that is not what this episode's about. This episode is this, about... This episode of Revelations or this episode of Carmudgeon? No, this episode of Carmudgeon. Ah, yes. Uh, because... I uh, just still don't know what it's about. Well, you're going to in a second because I had an experience on the way here that was like the most awesome thing. Today? No, no. Um, to shooting. Sorry. I'm not... I've had no coffee. Can we get coffee up here? I've had no coffee. Um, <laughs> or just a smidge, like on two pots. That's a joke. On the way to filming, I was in a Raptor R. Which is the Raptor Raptor. It is my favorite car in production right now. It is bat shit absurd vehicle. It's a car. It's a vehicle. Whatever. It is bat shit nuts. All right. So we Ford dropped it off. It it was it's the press car, and I it was the week of filming, so I didn't have time to like really do anything other than commute back and forth to the studio. And it is the most fun you can have in a car. Uh, In so. The the first time I get in it, I you know immediately go to Baja mode on the exhaust, which is the loudest, and it's obscene. I'm sorry, is this one a V8 or is it still a V6? V8, supercharged V8 from okay. the GT500. So this is the which, answer to the like, hey, the Raptor has gone turbo V6, yeah. like how erection deflating for all of the truck bros. So now you know. I ne- never quite thought of it in those terms, but yes, a, a disappointment. I'm sure they did. <laughs> <laughs> um, it uh, yeah supercharged v8 mm-hmm. from the gt500 which making is making 740 horsepower again still in the last time i don't know what it is in the raptor i haven't even looked yet like this was the joke as i drove it i made my notes i will go and i will go and formulate my thoughts uh, and look up all the stats because who cares about stats here's the deal so we're sitting at a red light i go into baja mode and it's you know it goes from at this light and right as i do that i see a woman who's behind us inching over to the right um to go make a right on red and there's there's enough room to quote george carlin for the romanian army to get through there but she's going at approximately 0.0003 miles an hour all scared of this raptor that's taking up the entire lane and then some um and she's eking through and when i hit the baja button and the exhaust open i saw her sort of flinch in the rearview mirror and that kind of tickled me like okay like sorry and then the light turned green and I figured the thing that I could do to be the most polite possible would be to extricate myself quickly from the circumstances. Mm-hmm. From, Thereby providing her enough room to complete her right turn. I think she died. <laughs> so she never completed her right turn <laughs> due to death. Okay, so with stability on, they, they have programmed the stability perfect because it's got these big K2 off-road tires and they love a lot of slip and they break through like mar- break away like marshmallows. They're amazing. One of the reasons I love the Bronco Raptor so much is these tires because they're just howling all the time and they're mushy and whatever. Yeah. It fucking ignited the tire. It's rear drives nominally. It ignited the rear tires and she flinched and I just saw her like, you know, jump out of her skin in the car and I never saw her again because then it slam shifts the one, two, lights them up again and burned tire the entire way through second gear, which by the way, takes a fraction of a second. Is this um, a 10 speed? It's uh, 
nine, 10. It's got to be the 10. Um, and then goes into third and continues the fucking burnout, but hooks up at five grand in third, but then breaks loose again at six. There's so much top end on this V8. I've never, ever been in a truck with this much top end power. It's absurd, but it continue, basically did a quarter of a mile burnout. Um, but in the most perfectly controlled way with the most violent soundtrack I've ever heard. I did not get video and I'm really sorry, but we just had this like absolute laugh out loud moment where this poor woman clearly expired at the expense of the noise that this thing made. Right? Uh -huh. So Anthony in the passenger seat is like, ah, it doesn't sound, it doesn't feel all that fast. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, this is a three point something second car. And I floor it again. And just horks like horks lifts them basically the front off the ground and takes off and he's like nah, you know it's quick so i go and i put the exhaust in quiet mode and i floor it on the high we're on the highway at this point like 60 miles an hour and i nail it and now it's and just 60 to 100 like <laughs> like a quarter of a second and he's like right, 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 holy shit and it's just once you get the noise level down to the to a reasonable level you can concentrate on the speed so he's like, but it, you know, it's really fast and it's got all that top end, but I, I don't know. It didn't feel fast. So we're at a red light and I have it in normal mode now, which is pretty quiet, not crazy quiet. And I, without him noticing, I sneak over and I put it in four wheel drive and the light turns green and I just brake torqued it for a split second and went and it lit up all four tires. <laughs> Somebody next to me, I'm sure they all expired because a bunch of people in that car just lifted up the front, lit up all four wheels and did it a beautiful, perfect four wheel burnout through first and halfway through second hooked up and had to, that had to have been like a three, six or something to 60. So did you get any numbers? No, but, but what I did was get an idea because <laughs> we've been fighting for trying, fighting to try to get cars for Cooter ultimate drag race replay. And it's very difficult to do. I know it shouldn't be, but the manufacturers don't want to lose. And this is instrumented testing. So we know what the outcome is going to be roughly before we get there. We, I retest the cars, but everyone was like, well, that car's faster. And this so, so the manufacturers. the manufacturers, like the owners usually don't care. They're cool. But the manufacturers are like, we can't lose because we're pansies and fucking whatever. Remember the word pansies. I just did that for a reason. Okay. Um, the, uh so we're on the highway on the way to the uh, to the studio yesterday last day and we wind up pacing a cullinan a rolls royce cullinan and i look over and this gentleman is clearly not the owner of the car uh it had manufacturer plates on is either a journalist or somebody who worked for rolls as far as i'm concerned he just didn't look like the usual cullinan driver mm -hmm. in a good way so i look over to him and he just looks, catches me and Anthony looking right at him. I'm like, so embarrassing. Like, Ant starts laughing like, oh, no. But, like, here we are, like, two doofuses in a raptor are mm -hmm. looking over. And he looks over, and I just go, oh. <laughs> like, just make the, oh, aren't you fancy in a Rolls Royce? And floor it. And so does he. <laughs> I just, Sorry, are you stationary or at speed? No, we're on the highway. We're, uh, we're already highway, doing, yes, right. doing uh, 20. <clears throat> Kilometers. Per hour. kilometers 12 yeah well per 1.6 minutes of yes got it what ensued was a little impromptu drag race high-speed drag race followed by a little bit of lane chess which was the funniest fucking thing i've ever seen i mean this rolls was very quick not as quick as the raptor i think so now we're like we have to get raptor and a colon in 
for a cooter. Like we have to drag race these cars because the visual alone was just, we were hysterical. He was laughing. Everyone around us was laughing at the sight of these two houses drag racing down the highway repeatedly from like 60 to 63 uh, <laughs> in a 65 zone because we would never go faster. It was awesome. It was awesome. It was a moment of joy that I have not had on a commute to this friggin' office in a while, which led me to the purpose of this episode. Okay, let me try to guess. Um, everyone should commute. No, that's not it. No. Uh, everyone should commute in a house. Everyone should be in a house. Everyone should work from home and not commute. Everyone should work from home and not commute so I can do terrible things on the road when I have to commute, but that's not it. Um, is the fast house vehicle the new maximum form of entertainment? Yes, but that's not the purpose of the episode. Can you imagine a, a motorhome with a jet engine? I, that would be fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I kept imagining if this V8 were in the Raptor, uh, the Raptor, the Bronco Raptor, mm -hmm. I think I would sell a bunch of cars to own one because it would be the world's most perfect every day, does it all, stupid. What prevents um, the, uh, the truck one from doing that? The size? Uh, I was told the frame cannot, the front cradle cannot. Sorry, fit what prevents oh. the the uh, the pickup truck uh, Raptor R from being the ultimate uh, everyday vehicle? Oh, it's too big for me. The size, just, yeah. I mean, it's, but for most Americans, that's not true. Yeah, that's true. So it's, for them, they w should buy one. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. There you go. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, no, no. If you're in the market for a Raptor R, pfft, yes. The answer is just fucking yes. Yeah, as long as you don't live in uh, Tokyo. Even and especially then. Can you imagine that thing on surrounded by K cars running them over like they're like they're like pebbles? Yeah, but then you can't ever park. That's not your problem. You helicopter out. Okay. Take your little submarine to oh, too oh, soon. Oh, too soon. That is genuinely tragic. Um, however, no, I think this episode is about automotive guilty pleasures. Mm. Because we just bought it together, a thirty two hundred and forty pound rover, which is by a large large margin my heaviest car collector car huge margin mm, it's not that what is the 200 what pounds is the heavier 220 pounds, pounds heavier than, than the, the ferrari. ferrari which is your next heaviest right. car and that it's that car at 3020 is 200 pounds heavier than my the next car i mean which is my, a four-door mercedes i think the e30 is heavier than the which is a five-door station wagon, BMW. They're all, I mean, the cars are 1600, 1683, I think it is for the Beat, 1992 for the for the Elise, 2356 for the Scirocco, 2399 for the Cabby, 20, I haven't weighed Beatrice, but she should be somewhere in the 27s, the, and the wagon, and the, uh, the 2316 are both in the 28s. And then the Ferrari's 3020, and here's this fat pig Rover at 35, 200 pounds. I'm interested to get it on the scales to see precisely how much it I actually weighs. We'll try to do that today. Um, but the point is, I get into a 7,000 pound, whatever the fuck, who cares? 700 plus horsepower V8 supercharged full size Raptor the size of my house. And it's so not me. And I love everything about it. So maybe, um, yeah, you're expanding your horizons. No, I've always kind of had a guilty truck pleasure. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, there's full size trucks have a. First of all, the utility is unmatched, except mm -hmm. almost my van. The, mm -hmm. the van almost, the van comes close. Unless you're towing. Unless you're towing. But you can't. In case the transmission on the van, well, the, the transmission on the van will expire even, 
if you it can hear oh, you sorry <laughs> um it's in there with the rover they're they're sort of commiserating on and, and planning <laughs> on being the fat kids who's yeah, oh, sorry, the fat guys. kids <laughs> in love the, um no but so do you not have automotive guilty pleasure oh Yes, but also I'm more of a whore than you, so there's fewer things that are outside of my realm of like um, acceptability, right? I don't have these hard and fast rules like you have about uh, weight or transmission or aspiration. You always you always color yourself as like Mr. Manual Transmission, Mr. Naturally Aspirated, Mr. Lightweight, and if you have defined your automotive enthusiasm mm-hmm. in those terms, then there's a lot of things that you could characterize as guilty pleasures. All that having been said, I really my probably I just come back to you're a whore. <laughs> you <laughs> you know, I didn't hear anything else. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've owned a lot of like you know I I drove here in my Citroen, like that's not characteristic for me really. It's front yes, wheel drive. It is. Well, it's okay, absurd. so then how would you character... So mine is absurdity, no, which means no, no, anything no. fits if, if my automotive yeah, brand is absurdity. Yeah, but what doesn't fit is a Camry. Yes, that's right. true. I shouldn't say absurd. Your car your car taste tends to be eccentric, is probably what I'd Yes. Say. The weirder sure. and the more off the beaten path, the more you're interested in it. Not entirely true. Like, I have a 911 that's air-cooled. That's, like, the least off the beaten... Ter- point. Uh, See, I'm a whore. This is the, the, the point here is that I'm a whore. Uh, I mean, I've always had a, bit, a thing for... Big sedans like mm-hmm. like E thirty eight the W one forty which I'm really enjoying. I've always wanted a Bentley Turbo R. I have owned a V twelve Jaguar XJ. So hmm. you know, there's like the big sedan yeah. thing which I am really into or like moderately into. Um, you know, trucks. I have. N- I guess I did have a Cayenne and I had a Range Rover and a Defender, uh, but okay. uh, my equivalent i guess would be the f- uh, i used to work at a company where we had to be towing a lot of uh, airplanes actually and we had an f350 turbo diesel mm-hmm. uh crew cab long bed and that I would for pay me- good money to see you <laughs> climbing into that thing um so i drove it quite regularly and probably the most american moment in my entire life uh because we were an airplane manufacturer we would display at the america's largest air show which is in ashcash wisconsin on the shores of uh, lake winnebago and the truck would always be towing shit out there for the show and uh the it's a week-long show and it's kind of like car week it's just this huge overwhelming thing where every day there's seventy-three thousand things going on there's two air shows there's fireworks twice like it's just this huge production and and by the time you get to thursday you're just like please take me out back and euthanize me or something i've had so much beer and cheese curds and i'm so tired of standing in the sun and the humidity and etc thursday night is the seaplane pilots association um corn roast and seaplane pilots are like where we're going, we don't need runways, you know? They're like, <laughs> if pilots are a little bit wacky, they're like, fucking, I will go anywhere and do anything, and they're just really like... But they're also supremely nerdy. Anyway, so the the, the we all pile into the F-350 and go over to the Seaplane Pilots Association, and, you know, it's the Midwest in the summertime, so invariably there are thunderstorms. It's a muddy grass field where you have to park, uh, and... We dropped everybody off and then had to go find somewhere to put the truck in. And there's this big, wet, grassy field. And my colleague looks over at me and just pushes the traction control button. And we're in this huge, grass, <laughs> muddy field with nothing around. What else? And it's in rear-wheel drive. Uh, and so, you know, I'm doing donuts in the F-350 in the mud. And then at this point, uh, 
an F-18 flies by during the air show <laughs> in full afterburner. And so I'm just like, I'm literally in a field in Wisconsin doing donuts in an F-350 diesel while an F-18 flies by. Mm-hmm. This is the most American moment of my yeah. entire life. So yes, I mean, yeah, a big truck. I definitely have sort of enjoyment from that. I mean, it's not really dynamic. Although actually it was entertaining with a long wheelbase. Yeah. It's very easy to, yeah. to do Slide that. And there, yes, there is, there is video, of course. Um, I, th- I feel like I've seen this. I video. might have showed it yeah. to you. I mean, it's one of the defining moments of my life, if I'm honest. America, fuck yeah! Yeah, I mean, as someone who grew up on the the West Coast, like the Midwest, well, the first time I went to Wisconsin, I was like, "This looks like a cartoon. Like it, it looks like a movie." I didn't realize places like this actually existed mm-hmm. in America. In fact, it is most of America, as it turns out. Yeah. Uh, so geographically, if not uh, necessarily population. Yes, yeah. that's right. So that was a cultural experience. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, look, I grew up in New York and we didn't, and then, you know, high school in Germany, I didn't, the pickup thing, the first time I was ever in a pickup in my life, I think, or other than, you know, like a ride here, was, uh, a friend in college had one. And I'm like, this is wild. It was an S10. It was like, wow, this is crazy. There's no headrests. You're just right up against the glass. There's oh, yeah. It was just, a, you know, a short bed. Um, but and it was a short a, cab. A short cab. Short cab and short, I think she had a short bed, but it was rear drive which was really fucking oh yes because there's no weight over the rear tires with comp ta's um (laughs) in the winter in potsdam new york uh we were stuck a lot but it had a 4.3 in it it was fast and when it would hook up (laughs) well i'm dry i mean it would drive just sort of and that was my first experience said like you like fast dumb trucks though you know it's like uh, i love the cyclone like the cyclone but the cyclone is perfectly on brand for me even though it's not Oh, you mean because it's uh, well, un- if, unhinged? Like, and- it's all the things I don't do. I don't do V6s. I don't do turbochargers. Mm-hmm. I don't do automatics. I don't do all-wheel drive, and I've never done American, right? Or a truck. And a truck. I mean, it's just all those things. Well, I did a truck. I had, a, I had my Suzu poop. Pop. My excuse you poop. Um, but but in the genre of trucks, it's the it's it's a K car, right? It's tiny. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have to take up the picture and of it's it very next performance-y. to a TRX. Yeah, it's little, it's lightweight, it's very quick. Um, but what is totally outside of my like you know wheelhouse is a full size, like something like a Raptor. But I can say that I mean Bronco Raptor filming last year that episode is I probably had more fun in that Bronco Raptor than any other car we've filmed other than GR86. Mm-hmm. Um, and now Raptor R. <laughs> so mean, drag race. <laughs> Yeah, I really want to drag race. That, I mean, if we can get it, what I'd like to do is the heavy, we, we, and I were joking last night about calling this episode the heavyweight. So you have a Raptor R, Durango Hellcat, if we can get one, because I don't want all pickup trucks, um, instead of TRX. But you know, TRX is the obvious choice, but then it just becomes all pickups. But Raptor R. Cullinan is not a pickup truck. Yeah, that's why I don't want all pickup trucks. So if I can get a, uh, I can get a Durango Cadillac Escalade V, which is, if you remember, so loud that I got a, I got pulled over for. Is that the uh, CT5V powertrain? It's the Blackwing powertrain in <laughs> in the Escalade. It's yeah. Stupid. Okay. Uh, and then M2 because it weighs a thousand pounds. We just we are talking like no one's done a real drag race of the M2 yet. And we're like going through like okay we can we can do this, but what do we put it up against? And then we're like it's 
like it's 12 seconds flat. It's like directly on top of Raptor and all these other cars. So we we can have it there as the benchmark of this is how fast these stupid trucks are. And, you know, like in the, I'll make a joke about it being heavy and then probably never get put in a BMW again. Um, but uh, the M2 is a benchmark and I'd like to use it as that. So we may make a little joke okay. on it. But if we can put that drag race together, I think we'll laugh our asses off. Um, especially if I can get um, Randy Popes in a smoking jacket. <laughs> for the Rolls Royce. For the Rolls Royce, yeah. Or in the backseat of, you know, one who's eating crumpets or whatever it is that Rolls Royce people um, do. New Rolls Royce or old Rolls Royce? Oh, no, Cullinan. I know, no, Rolls no. Royce people, though. New Rolls Royce people or old Rolls Royce people, right? It used to be a very aristocratic mark, yeah. and uh, now it's sort of nouveau riche. Well, the only person I've ever interacted with directly who drove, who owns a Cullinan is the guy who owns the Bugatti Chiron Pursport mm. who mm. shipped, we shipped the uh, Bugatti down to the, to the racetrack and he drove down in his, um, in his Cullinan and made it in an exceptionally short amount of time. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously he was about. going the speed limit the entire time, Derek Tamheif and Scott. The speed um, limit of Germany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No way. <clears throat> of course not. The speed limiter. If it, no, I mean, uh, but he, and he was very cool. So that's my only one interaction of Cullinan owners is that they're cool. Not very aristocratic though, right? Not none of this sort of like the, the traditional British image of being, you know. I think they would find those cars rather gauche. Yes. I mean, that exactly. car is uh, not, yeah, not in keeping. Not a paragon them. of traditional values. Is it though? I mean, it is large and in charge and in charge and sort of blunt faced and all of the things that rolls rolls is is were mm. i don't know that's a that's an interesting question is whether, whether i think they'd find it immensely tasteless i to be honest with you find most rolls royces immensely tasteless yes i mean i think they're purposefully new ones yes uh, weren't they always that way mm, uh, don't bring up that carmog thing again the camarg what about yeah. it that, that, that was the, the non-tasteless. It was exquisite because it was designed by Pin and Freen or whatever. No, that was a big departure for Rolls-Royce because they went outside of England for something. Oh, I don't know. Right, it was like... Too bad not for the electronics. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, but that car was a huge departure, the Camargue. Mm. Traditionally, it would be like Phantom 3, the right. V12, you know, gurney, nutting, bodied, whatever. That is a real coach builder. Uh, <laughs> I, thought you, I was trying to figure out that disgusting gurney nutting. Wow. Uh, that was oh. the first coach builder that came to mind. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Time is it? It's a little early, Derek. <laughs> uh, Van Voren. I don't know. Uh, uh, Thruppen Maberly. Uh, Excuse you. <laughs> uh, there, there was this whole... Anyway, we we're talking about Rolls Royces. Is that a guilty pleasure? That could potentially be a guilty pleasure, actually. I mean, if, if there are other genres of guilty pleasure. The only roles that I've ever, old roles that I've really, two of them that I've interacted with, one was clearing out my friend Mike's estate, um, and he had some silver shit box, and <laughs> it had a hole. Paraphrasing the, floor. the model name. Yeah. It had holes in the floor and the exhaust manifolds came down and were not connected to the muffler. So you were treated to 100% fume input and also the sound of a NASCAR V8. Because uncorked, these very, very sound of quarter. they are quite Vocal. spicy. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I drag raced everyone down through downtown West Palm Beach, laughing my ass off. So. Losing, but also. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, losing to Priuses and shit. They were just, they weren't, they weren't probably not even racing me. <laughs> very slow, but very vocal. 
And then um, <laughs> what ear? So this is like a silver shadow silver or box. Yeah, sixty. I feel like it was sixty-eight. Okay, so yes, that's a silver shadow. Wow. It was it the was, first very innovative Rolls Royce um, unitary construction. Oh well, it was, a, <laughs> it was certainly rusting as one what cohesive unit. The second Rolls Royce that I interacted with, which I think actually was happened first, was one that we bought. My friend Bill and I bought out of the desert in Reno, maybe that had been sitting outside for thirty years, um, and what we were going to turn into a lemons car, um, and it was purple, if I remember correctly. Oh, who knows what color it was originally, but it was sort of like some flat plum color um and we it weighed enough that we i blew two trailer tires towing it home i think it was filled with sand um i think like all of the crevices in the body had become filled with sand in the 30 years that this thing sat outside it was a full-on biohazard it was disgusting and the idea was bill this is bill arnold who's my lemons race captain slash friend had the idea let's get this and throw like a panther bodied something underneath it because i think that no, his fucking harebrained idea was we were going to throw an E38 underneath it. It was going to be a 7 Series. And I'm like, Bill, just R- because... Rolls-Royce already did that uh, just later on. Just because the wheelbase is similar doesn't mean, ah, how hard can it be? And he was just was like, we're going to do a Panther chassis like frame. So like a, who knows, 80s, you know, I, Crown one Vic. of them. Crown Vic frame with a 740i motor drive shaft all around and and running gear brakes and it would have been really cool to see this rolls royce on a racetrack doing doing very fast things because it would have been a manual swap and all the rest of the stuff um but i think at some point like reality brain kicked back on and it was like this is just the, the windshield alone is worth more than any of our other cars um and so yeah what flavor of rolls royce was it 66 something same kind of deal silver shot similar i know i know nothing about these cars this mm. one had an engine in it but okay it, i mean that's all I, that's <laughs> oh, fascinating of, I mean, uh, stay tuned on the carmudgeon show for more important yeah, information about cars bill took one of the valve covers when he sold it and just put it on the wall in the shop just because mm. you know it's probably the most expensive thing in the shop mm, <laughs> um, interesting yeah those rules is just i have no yeah they are no not athletic cars they are um artifacts of automobiling i guess and they're the the earliest Rolls that I drove. It was, it was an '83, I think it was a it was a parrot yellow '83 silver. What the hell was it? It was a convertible. Corniche. It was a Corniche two convertible. If that's what it was. And I did donuts in it in a high school parking lot. <laughs> I was like 18, and you give an 18 year old the keys to this canary yellow shit pile rolls and it was so fucking slow. Yeah. I just remember like trying to get on the highway, and it was like 41, 42. 43, 44, 45. And it was Canadian spec. So it was, those were kilometers. <laughs> um, no, I'm kidding. But it was just, it was dangerously slow. Mm. Um, and then you'd get another one. It would be fast as shit. So I, dro- I remember I drove a couple of them back in the day and they were so variable. Some were slow, some were fast. Sensitive to maintenance. And, and they were just wretched relics of the 1920s dragged into the 1980s. And I just, I just did not have an appreciation for. for I like them. That's not a guilty pleasure for me. Okay, a 19, 18-year-old, whatever, probably doesn't get that. But I just thought, like, what? where's where's the beef? Like, what? how much money for this thing? And this is just shitty switch gear. And, you know, like, the, the selector, gear selector was cool because it wasn't. It was yes, just a little an switch. switch. It was dainty. But the whole car just felt like, okay, somebody who's an engineer needs to get over here and update this stuff because it's all 50 years old. That was my feeling at the time. Hmm. I'm sure they're... 
I like them. It depends. They're very variable. There's certain ones that you're just like, I have no interest in. And of course, the, the spiciest ones are the ones that most interest me. There's a history of, not Rolls Royce, but Bentley taking yeah. the same stuff and making spicy cars out of it. So in the 50s, you had the R-Type Continental, which is still one of my favorite cars. I, I love the fact that, like the Bugatti Veyron, uh, a new tire had to be developed for the car that could withstand both the speed and the weight. That Isn't this that car also the case for the W140 Mercedes? Would not surprise me yeah. if that were the case. I am pretty Anytime sure. a tire manufacturer has to invent a new tire for a car, I'm interested. I think that is a sign of... I3. <laughs> I3 uh, was a bespoke tire. Uh, oh, okay, come on. Don't okay. you want it? It looks like a little bulldog. No. Inbred. Absolutely. Bulldog. Aren't they... <laughs> generally inbred isn't that how they end up I, this is the problem is my friend who just bought an i3 is going to watch this fucking show and we're going to no he's not he's, yeah he is he just sent me the screen grabs of we have a group a chat group with a bunch of friends two of whom have nc1s and i just got a video of his tv last week where we shit all over nc1s we're like they're terrible if you've ever if you own an nc1 don't drive an nc2 and whatever it was that we said which was not nice wound up going to the group of my friends who own them uh, like, my, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's, how do we dig out of this? Give me a second. I'm going to come up with something. Uh, the, the NC2 is a better version of the NC1. It's <laughs> not I that nice. It. If, compared, no, there, there to are another, other, compared to NA and B, NC was a friggin' revelation. But it got an order. But they dramatically improved it. For NC2. Yes. That doesn't mean NC1 is a bad car, guys. All right. I'm just, I'm always in trouble. But that i3 can go fuck itself. Mm-hmm. That, for, that I will say, and I'm going to stand by that. And he's asked me a couple times why I think that car is so terrible. And it just starts Do you out, want to? Yeah, let's do it. Well, it just starts out very simple. As, as my job as a journalist to sort of remove my own my own feelings on the car and look at this car objectively in terms of engineering and did it move the bar? Did it raise the needle? We always, <laughs> I always did that. Um, and BMW purchased a company or a plant that did carbon fiber and, and spent an exorbitant amount of money making this car out of carbon fiber. It was hugely expensive to develop, hugely expensive to build. Um, and ultimately those benefits did not come through to the customer. So the idea behind the car was a mega city vehicle, and that should include the ease, ease of repairing. And at the beginning, those cars were four or $500 a month to insure because it's a, an aluminum skateboard chassis, which was way taller than it needed to be uh, to house the batteries, and then mm-hmm. a carbon passenger cell on t- glued to it. And then carbon body panels that were bolted to that. So if you got smacked in a fender, it was a carbon panel. You just throw it out, replace it. It was expensive. That was part of the insurance claim. However, or the insurance uh, premium. However, if you had any substantial accident and you damaged the safety cell, that had to be cut out and replaced. The part that you damaged, cut out and replaced. And that's, there was no, there were nobody. Yes, just take it down to the body shop on the corner. Yeah, right, exactly. And so that's a problem. And when you're when you're trying to be a mega city vehicle, that the the whole idea of this is ease of ownership and fixing and everything else. Well, then you fucking failed. The the other big issue on the car was structurally. I don't remember why, but it needed to have the the the. Um, uh, suicide doors suicide doors which means that if you get out and open the back door and you're parked next to another car in a parking lot you're trapped can't get out your back passenger can't get out unless you as the driver unbuckle unbuckle your belt 
um, because your belt is on their door, if I remember correctly. There was just this awkwardness to the use of the car that shouldn't be there for what is supposed to be a, a, an invisible tool that just gets you from A to B. And then the biggest fucking joke of it all was all the weight savings and the mil- billions of dollars in the carbon plant and everything else resulted in a car that did not beat the e-golf in range. And, and by range, I mean efficiency. Number of miles traveled per kilowatt hour of battery. Mm-hmm. And my the only thing that matters when you have, at that point, a 20-something kilowatt hour battery, which is three-quarters of a gallon of fuel, that's the, all the energy you have on board, the only thing that matters is range, is efficiency, because you need the range. You're maximizing that. Yes. Didn't beat a compliance car that was just a fucking Golf with an electric motor and a battery in it. And then to do not better than the than the Golf, it had 155 front tires on it. I think the 185s or 175s in the back. No grip. And then to get shitty handling and no grip, somehow it also rode like a dump truck. I, don't I, it don't worry, it's beautiful though. So that fixes it. <laughs> what happened? It was every so that's the reason I don't like it. I'm I'm, I'm being silly. I hate it. Um, but it was every compromise resulted in more compromises. It resulted in, there was no payoff. Okay, it was quick. And it was rear drive. Okay, that was great. So it was nice. The problem is you can't regen going down a hill in a rear drive car without locking up the rear wheels. So you're going down a hill and you hit the tiniest little bump. And San Francisco is admittedly very hilly and slightly exceptional in that sense. But you go hit the tiniest little bump or pavement seam or whatever and it, Locks the rear wheels, up, rear, rear wheels up momentarily, which engages the traction control, which disengages regen. So the car takes off. It doesn't actually take off, but it no longer is not dis- accelerating. And the, your impression as a driver is, whoa, fuck, what the fuck? Hmm. And it doesn't do well in sidewinds. It was just a compromised package that had a really pretty interior. Hmm. There. I, I was just going there. to say, what is the nicest thing you can say about it? Uh, but you been, just did. No, the nicest thing I can say about it is was killed off. Hmm. Out of production failure perfect example of german engineering in the and i'm sorry perfect example of the bad side of german engineering add layer after layer after layer of complexity for no benefit whatsoever mm. when even under piech we will do the piech episode one day under piech that mark 7 golf beat it in fucking every measure more interior space better ride better nvh better handling all of the stuff and it was just a freaking compliance car it's a shit golf Mm-hmm. get off my lawn okay that is, um, that not was, a guilty pleasure that's no. a that's a not whatever a guilty, the opposite of nope. guilty unpleasure well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> opposite of a guilty should have thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> all right what is the most out you've never owned anything american no but not for lack of trying yeah you, you haven't tried you've been talking about some galaxy 500 yeah, for, yeah. I mean, I years. put down a deposit on it and flew out to buy it, and it was shitty when I got there, so I didn't buy it. Mm. But I will own one at some point. The reason why I haven't in all, you know, more than a decade of shopping is that they, those cars are not going up in value. So uh, and no so pressure. I'm always like, oh, I should just buy something. You know, in that same period, I bought a, you know, choose Radwood era car that doubled in value. Mm. You know, and so I'm like, oh, those things will be there. Yeah, fair enough. And so eventually I will. They're also space they take up a lot of space yeah would one even fit in uh i confirmed actually that the length is within um it's four inches longer than a long wheelbase w140 oh and that fits and it fits yeah now that you're in your bureaucratic era yes 
So, you know, there's no real excuse other than that they're not going up in value. They've gone up like a little bit, but anyway, yes. So that like vintage American cars generally, for sure, a guilty pleasure Same. of mine, especially if it's got this a raucous engine. It has know? to. Yeah. Is there anything American from the 50s, 60s, or 70s that you'd want that doesn't have a V8 in it? Mm, 1949 Buick. Straight eight? Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on, anything with it. Is there, that could be in a whole episode. Is there? Has there ever been an uncool straight eight? Um, mm, different story. Probably. But yeah, straight eights don't count. Like, you know, okay. and I said 50s. Uh, oh, okay. But you Fine, know, like you're a, right. A four-cylinder... Is there anything I'm interested to try? I recently watched a video of a because I was doing research on the uh, the, the Buick Rover V8, mm -hmm. uh, and one of the cars that got that engine was available also with like a three liter inline four or something like that. And I found one um, that was listed on Bring a Trailer, and there was a driving video, and I listened to it, and I was like, this is kind of cool, actually. It like had character and fizz and sounded kind of spicy and i was like this is pretty interesting so it's called the trophy in line four it's a large displacement in line four that was available in these things so like i'm interested to see what that's like i mean like what about a cosworth vega you know, know that could be kind of cool yeah. um i did drive i mean obviously not at all athletic but uh a 1966 ford pickup truck with a mm. six cylinder a big six cylinder mm. you know with a it's technically a four speed but first gear was a granny gear so you used it mm. like a three-speed dog leg and like that thing i drove around a bunch in and i was like this thing's actually kind of funny and amusing and charming by so. virtue of its non modernness yes say, right yes it's truckishness that's right <laughs> really. but it was like surprisingly swift like it would go down the road at 85 miles an hour like really yeah, yeah. i was very surprised that's shocking a 66 ford f100 pickup going Those, like, it, it was, i think that straight six wound up into the go, driving going to the 80s right probably i, I, I wouldn't be surprised my buddy's I mean, dad had like a late 70s early 80s ford that had it was i don't remember what the hell it was it had a straight six in it it was it was big, 80. No big, problem. big inline sixes. I mean, this is also like what powered the Jeep XJ mm -hmm. into the 2000s or late 90s. Uh, and it was in the, yeah. the Grand Wagoneer. So, I mean, but it's not a, it's not a uh, intrinsically exciting motor. Although I did um, ride in a Curtis 500, which had a, one of those American inline sixes that someone had built a spicy version out of as much as you can i mean they're they're not even cross flow mm. so you know it's not going to ever do 7000 rpm and it was supercharged and it sounded spicy mm. and it had supercharger and it was fast and it was mm. very 1950s and that was a really exciting experience so you know yeah american cars that aren't v8s a few mm -hmm. uh yeah straight eights uh, we've disqualified because i'm sure that a duesenberg sj which um yes a couple things about that engine it's um, four valves per cylinder, dual overhead. SJ. Yes, yeah. 1929. This is where It's a Doozy came from. Yes. For the, let's be very clear. Yes. It was that car probably. That I think it was, it's un pretty unarguably. I mean, even compared to Bugatti's, like possibly the finest car in the world at the time. But yeah, 32 valves um, and dual overhead cams. <laughs> uh, and I think they were maybe gear driven also, wow. which was common back then. Uh, so yes, American cars being guilty pleasures for sure mm -hmm. uh but yeah you need the the big v8 but not always i mean like uh uh packards i genuinely enjoy interacting with packards they're high quality anything that's that old 
is yeah, charming. That's true because it's just so different so that different. no matter what yeah. it is, it's yeah. going to be an interesting experience, experience. with a lot of texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you own anything Japanese? You haven't a Miata. Uh-huh. Have you done a lot of other stuff? Oh, I had a 240Z. Had a 240Z. Yeah. yeah, which I really enjoyed. That I, I regret see. selling that car yeah, very stupid. much. I mean, stupid. I needed a down payment. I was looking into sofa cushions for money for for house, first house. So yeah, blah 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 blah. Excuses, excuses. <laughs> uh, but yeah, neither of us is very into Japanese cars, and people always request Japanese car content from us, and we're like, mm, we like kind of know stuff. We, really, we don't have a lot of first person experience. Japanese car ownership. I don't, except that I've driven some of the coolest stuff. I mean, that the 2000 GT was. I've driven quite a bit. That's a it's top amazing. ten car for me, regardless of every Z I've driven has been magic. Every, not every. But almost every it's, well, the Z four three two is unbelievable. Sorry, but I'm talking about like Z, you know, like three hundred ZX twin turbo. No, I'm talking about like a first uh, gen. Yeah, every uh, of the early yeah. Zs that um, you've driven. Uh, yeah, but I'm in a Honda S eight hundred, S six hundred. I have a Beat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that makes me a Japanese car aficionado. But no, I mean, there's I don't have all that much experience with Japanese stuff, except the I have a huge amount of respect. Eighties Hondas and eighties and nineties Toyotas are. Just, I mean, put me, I just got, I just sat in a crown, a 97, 98 crown. And it's a lot of 92 to 96 Camry interior Mm -hmm. bits. Um, And I realized like, wow, that Camry was that good that they could use all this stuff in a crown. I have have a huge amount of respect there. I just don't necessarily want to own a 92 Camry. I would like to look at one. They're beautiful. Yeah, definitely agree. It's so weird that we both feel this way that, you know, and everyone laughs Anyone who has eyes... I would yeah. agree that it's probably the best looking Camry ever made. But then they would say that's not a very high bar. I know. I was re- t- biting my tongue just then, <laughs> waiting for you to say something other than that's not a very but high I, bar. I really think it's a beautiful, beautifully <laughs> styled car. Yeah, but what, I mean, it ha- I'm sure it has to do with our socialization, right? And this is something that people don't talk about a lot as it relates to cars, but your interest in cars has a lot to do with your early influences during your formative car years and who is that person or persons who shaped your car enthusiasm and you know what did they introduce you to when you were an impressionable young car enthusiast and that definitely bears out in my own car experiences and so we can go on and experience things that are really remarkable to us like uh, i don't know choose thing 2000 gt for me genuinely is a top 10 car if i could you know if you gave me a pile of money and said you had to buy 10 cars only a 2000 gt would be in that mm. in those 10 cars for me um but for the most part yeah japanese cars but but also the reason for that is because the car is basically a european car but a, rendered in a japanese way yeah. it's not uh it's not forging any new path just yet the way that the japanese eventually figured out how to do after they right. figured out how to do what europeans were doing as well or better mm-hmm. uh, but yeah so my early experiences were with with european cars and that's why that's where most of my you know these are intrinsically emotional purchases mm-hmm. we all are like out there trying to explain why you know yes i need to buy a bmw i3 because it fits with my urban lifestyle or whatever but ultimately it's some kind of emotional thing yeah, that we true. are you know for, for those of us you know who 
are willing to take the effort to try and rationalize it and put a little bit of effort into developing some argument, whatever the argument is. You're right. like, I like this thing and it makes a lot of sense because, you know, Thursdays, sometimes I need back seats, right. you know, or whatever it is. Uh, and But the reality is they've chosen that particular argument. <laughs> yes, because they, because they the want the thing or they want a feeling yeah. or it makes them feel a certain right. way. And that's what, you know, what is it with you and your shitty old Volkswagens, which is an early Carmudgeon episode. Mm-hmm. It's about certain feelings. Yep. So, uh, yes, some of those are guilt, guilty pleasures. There, I yeah. wrapped it all around. <laughs> well, and uh, yeah, to that end, the I think my list of cars that I would buy today, the, uh, modern cars, the, I don't. I, I struggle a lot with this. Am I just that old man, jaded journalist who's driven everything and not excited about everything? Or has the car industry just really gone in a direction that's not catering to enthusiasts? I mean, the fact that you can find experiences somewhere in the automotive history, they just don't happen to be current ones that... Uh, still excite you means that you know that yeah, but i should be excited about new stuff i should well be new stuff about, should be exciting yeah and it's not but yeah so i mean i've anthony's 14 years younger than i am and he's not interested in anything new either so that helps me feel better about myself mm-hmm. um but i think in my very 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 short list of modern cars that i would actually buy um you know you have the 86 i would actually buy a toyota gr86 or brz um but also f-150 raptor are which are pretty bookendy that's my guilty that's the that's drag right it's putting on a wig and heels and you know and appearing oh to be that somebody. drag <laughs> not <laughs> drag race which i do it's a good tv show but i would do the drag racing thing the dread the racetrack all of it i mean it's just you're putting on enough chris bangle was a man that i actively campaigned to have removed from the face of the earth until i met him um and i didn't even meet him i i watched a uh a presentation talk. talk that he did and he's genius the man s- fucking ruined bmw styling but for all the most amazing reasons possible and backed into the, these amazing explanations of why they did it i'm sort of half joking there but he's really really smart and really really uh charismatic and he made the point that every car is uh is an avatar it's the once you're inside it's no longer you and we do this too i mean i'm prejudiced against subarus i hate them I see a Subaru on the road and I automatically hate that person and I want to get around them because I'm convinced they are going to be slow and in my fucking way and not paying attention. And 90% of the time I'm right because that's how prejudice works. Well, Um, no, what you are doing is you're doing, I think this is a heuristic. It's a type of, um, we can't, we can, every single person we meet, we can't judge them with a blank slate, right? You are always taking shortcuts to be like, every and every time that I've had the situation in the past when I saw this and then that happened, like, okay, so then you just use that as a shortcut to right. bypass having to, you know, reach a traffic light right. and be like, well, like, people seem to be going when it's green, so I'm going to do that. Right. Like, you just develop these shortcuts mm-hmm. logically, which is like... You take the inputs to your brain and eye holes and whatever else, and then you turn it into like behavior in the future right. as a, a, a time-saving yeah. measure. Yeah. So, right. and Subaru drivers prove that. So they just continue to prove me yeah. right. Yeah. Yes. However, um, though I'm not judging the person who's driving that car. I mean, I am kind of like, what? What does it take for you to drive a CVT shitbox? But the reality Active is, disinterest in motoring. Bangle was right. Yes. Bangle was right. It's, it's an avatar. It's an outfit that you're put on. And every once in a while, it's fun to put on someone else's clothes and some, something we can't really do in, in the world. I can't walk into a building looking like you, or sounding like you, or 
using 1920s terminology the way you do. Um, by the way, I was thinking you were there on the Titanic when it, uh, the original one, right? Not these. This is why I hate cold water. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it's very fun to put on somebody else's clothes and drive a car that you would never, ever, ever drive. Yeah. And funny enough, my top car of the year is a car that is just so not me in any way, but made me laugh more than anything else. Yeah, and I think that's the same thing for, for, you know, my equivalent is probably American cars from the 60s where you have this sort of reputation or image of being really raw, but that's ultimately the appeal is that there's this like intense sensory experience and that's the same case for you with this truck is that there is a sensory experience there is some content there there's amusement right there well that was this, first of all look the car and from an objective journalistic standpoint a raptor does everything you expect it to it is a product that is what it says it is on the box and therefore it's a success as far as i'm concerned and when you look at against at against its competition it's, a it's real just reason. amazing right. that someone chose a box and said let's have a put these you know descriptions on the outside yeah. of the box of a right. product that does this exactly and but then the fact that it just does i mean it would end badly if i owned one I and mean, i just i would be imagine i yeah i would just be such a ter- i was for a couple of days such a terrible person on the road gleefully <laughs> terrorizing terrorizing and then anthony was driving the rover the sdr new sd1 he was behind me and every time i took off it would lay couple hundred feet of black stripes even you know without spinning tires because those tires are pretty soft and he was like it just looked dangerous it just looked dangerous it was like this car is just out of fucking control and gone it's you know rear yeah. over on one and rear the, wheel there's and just, a lot of body motion yeah it's so- constant and that yeah. he said it was just hilarious it was genuinely scary to watch um and then you know scary laugh scary laugh and what better experience i don't know anyway that's uh, being alive that that is a car mention episode it's being alive is having experiences i i think you should go rent a kia sophia uh, from some used car lot i think someone would pay me to drive it i want to see derek in something i want to see derek in drag in kia drag uh, gross <laughs> all right that was episode number 103 ish sure of the car mention show thanks for joining see you next time Next week. week. Next we week. Think it's next, next week. week. There's time. no holidays coming out, right? That's right. Okay. Bye. What is it, Jason? Hello. Hello. Weren't you supposed, weren't you supposed to read something? Uh, read something. Oh, uh, yes. Um, Lucid had some mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. that they wanted us to, to share. Yep. Uh, so, yes, what did they say? Let me read here. Once upon a time. Oh, no, wait. Uh, every Carmudgeon listener knows about the Lucid Air. Mm -hmm. The longest range, fastest charging luxury electric car in the world. It's designed in California, assembled in Arizona, and Jason over there on your side of the screen uh, has made more than a few videos about its incredible performance. What you might not know about, however, is the special lease and finance offers available on 2023 models of the Lucid Air Touring and Grand Touring. Get a new lease on electric. Visit lucidmotors.com for offer details. Uh, I think that's all I that's have it? to say on that okay. subject. But anyway, yeah, yes. like we've got a sponsor. Great. Mega exciting. Uh, is there anything else we needed to cover? No, I think that's it. Okay, splendid. Uh, then in that case, let's get back to the uh, original uh, episode. Excuse me. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Thanks. No Thanks. Bye. Okay, see ya.